0: What would your life be like if you were less anxious? Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com.
1: Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks, available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot
0: Today's episode explores what a less anxious life is. We're sharing an excerpt from the audiobook, Don't Let Your Anxiety Run Your Life. Using the Science of Emotion, Regulation, and Mindfulness to Overcome Fear and Worry Written by Dr. of Psychology David Klemanski and Joshua Curtis Don't Let Your Anxiety Run Your Life is a groundbreaking, step-by-step guide to managing the thoughts and feelings that cause anxiety, worry, fear, and panic. Based on cutting-edge science and the latest research from a Yale University psychologist and professor, these simple and powerful mindfulness tips will help you stay calm and collected in any situation. You'll learn how to significantly improve your everyday life and relationships, ranging from work to home and anywhere in between. In this excerpt, David and Joshua explain how anxiety often operates as a helpful alarm system. Using this simple, personalized practice, you'll discover which stimuli affect you most strongly and free yourself from the demands anxiety makes on you.
1: How Anxiety Demands Your Attention Complex emotions like anxiety can be difficult to understand and manage. One way to make sense of your emotions is to look at their function, that is, the purpose they serve. This aids in understanding not only how your everyday emotions can be helpful, but also how they can be detrimental to your daily functioning and well-being. Emotions like anxiety can serve to direct your attention to relevant facts and circumstances in the world. However, sometimes this can get out of hand. Examining this function of your anxiety can help you improve how you judge and respond to anxiety-provoking situations, whether at home, at school, or at work. Although people often associate anxiety with fear or dread, anxiety can be a helpful experience that contributes to intelligence, creativity, performance, and even survival. It also helps people build mastery or avoid harm. These are all positive functions of anxiety. If you were scheduled to perform at a concert, recital, or compete in an athletic event, your anxiety would very likely be helpful in terms of motivating you to practice and rehearse so that you could perform at your very best. Other times, however, depending on how you judge or react to your anxiety, it can be less helpful or outright unhelpful. Imagine that you are trying to study for an important exam. Despite your best efforts, anxious thoughts, in the form of fears and worries about not passing the test, intrude and interfere with your concentration and studying. This anxiety is unhelpful because it interferes with your overall goal of doing well on the test. This example illustrates the notion that people who are highly anxious tend to have difficulty attending to their environment and controlling their anxious thoughts. Other unhelpful ways of responding to anxiety include experiencing negative secondary emotions, such as feeling insecure, mistrustful, or frustrated, additional negative thoughts about the situation. For example, I'm going to make a fool of myself, or I'm certain I will never be successful in life. Or even unpleasant bodily sensations, such as a racing heart, breathing difficulties, or even a sense of impending doom. A primary and important function of anxiety is to detect threats in your environment so that you can react accordingly, much as an air traffic controller uses radar to detect threats in the sky or at the airport to avoid danger. By coordinating attention and related cognitive processes, anxiety helps you interact with your surroundings in an efficient and seamless manner. For example, if you are asleep in bed and suddenly wake up to the sound of glass breaking, your anxiety signals that you should investigate the cause of the noise, hide, or leave your house. If you didn't experience such anxiety, you would be more susceptible to harm Imagine ignoring the noise and going back to sleep while a thief burgles your home. Thus, from a functional perspective, anxiety often helps you react by coordinating your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, and by preparing and motivating you to take action by triggering your fight or flight response. Consider the last time you were asked to do something that made you feel apprehensive or downright anxious, or think about the last time you had to make small talk with a stranger, prepare for a date give a speech at work or school, or interact with a police officer. For making small talk or preparing for a date, anxiety may function as a way to detect threat related to rejection, whereas for giving a speech or interacting with a person of authority, anxiety may function as a way to detect threat related to fear of negative evaluation. Practice Using an example from your own life, try to identify the function of your anxiety, keeping in mind that anxiety occurs in multiple situations and contexts. What was the threat that you were trying to detect? Sometimes anxiety occurs even when it's not warranted. For example, sometimes you might feel as if you've encountered a bear or as if there's a burglar in your house. But in actuality, there's no bear or burglar or even any apparent reason for your anxious feelings. One key explanation for how this occurs is the way anxious individuals pay attention to their environment. Imagine that when you were a young child, a neighbor's aggressive dog bit you. Ever since then, you've gone out of your way to avoid dogs, and you were often watchful and on guard for the presence of dogs. Perhaps you startle easily when you hear a dog bark on TV, or you are excessively vigilant while walking around your neighborhood in case a dog is running free. To a degree, this is a smart way to guard against harm from dogs, yet, because you are prone to view dogs as threats, you tend to pay more attention to anything that might indicate their presence, at the expense of enjoying your walk or other pleasurable activities that you might avoid because of your fear of dogs. This includes not only stimuli related to dogs, such as a beware of dog sign and the telltale tale jingle of the tags on a dog's collar, but also unrelated or misperceived stimuli, such as when you mistake a cat or a ball for a small dog or you avoid walking by a certain house because you think you remember seeing a dog there. In this instance, your anxiety is disproportionate to the situation that elicited your anxiety and is likely harmful to your daily functioning or your overall well-being because it's often unwarranted. Additional Bias Toward Threat To facilitate survival, humans have evolved to swiftly respond to threatening stimuli. We even prioritize our attention to threatening stimuli, giving it rapid and dedicated processing in various key parts of our brain. If you were to encounter a bear in the street, your brain would prioritize the bear's presence, which would allow you to act swiftly and appropriately to avoid being attacked. Your anxiety would be both warranted and helpful in this situation, but only because you chose to pay attention to the bear and your anxious feelings. If you experience problematic or maladaptive anxiety, however, you tend to feel and act as if you were constantly in the presence of a bear or could be in the presence of a bear at any time, with a more generalized, chronic, and pervasive sense of threat. To illustrate this effect, research psychologists have conducted scientific experiments to better understand how attention causes changes in anxiety. Specifically, Researchers measured both the speed and the rate of detection of threatening stimuli among anxious versus non-anxious people. One such experiment required participants to scan a number of faces in photographs to detect the odd man out. There was one angry face among the 11 happy faces, for example. Findings from these studies demonstrated that people characterized as highly anxious were faster at detecting the angry face when compared with people who had low or no anxiety. In a different experiment, people who were highly anxious were slower at detecting a neutral face among a number of angry faces. Other studies, such as the emotional Stroop task, required participants to name the color of ink in various words printed on cards. It sounds easy enough, right? The catch is, the words were emotionally negative. Failure, collapse, stupid, death and others, and meant to distract from the central task at hand, simply naming a color of ink. Highly anxious people were indeed distracted by the emotionally negative words and displayed more difficulty in correctly naming the ink color than those with low levels of anxiety or no anxiety. These experiments highlight two important concepts. First, highly anxious individuals are often, sometimes even without being aware of it, on high alert, to detect possible threats in their environment. Second, anxious individuals find it hard to focus on a task in the presence of possible threats. Further complicating the matter are the ways in which individuals judge and respond to the thoughts and emotions they have about these enhanced perceptions of threat and increased distractibility. Over time, this process can potentially lead to chronic and debilitating anxiety. Practice You may remember that not too long ago, we asked you to consider a particularly anxiety-provoking event and identify the function of your anxiety. With that same event in mind, take a moment to consider how your attentional biases, your tendency to pay more attention to certain types of emotionally threatening stimuli, maintain your anxiety over time. This might entail thinking non-judgmentally about how often you are on high alert, either for a specific threat, or for many types of threats or even for threats that aren't actually present or fully real yet to help you with this exercise consider the following 3 interrelated questions 1 what threats in your environment do you detect more quickly and pay greater attention to for example if you tend to worry about never achieving your ambitions perhaps you pay greater attention to threats of failure or threats to your personal sense of self-worth 2 What threats, once you notice them, are harder to stop thinking about when compared to others? Do some threats activate your anxiety more than others, such as thinking that a physical symptom means impending doom or that you have a terrible disease? 3. What threats do you purposefully avoid thinking about? Perhaps losing a parent or a child is one of your biggest fears, so you actively avoid thinking about any threats to your family's safety and well-being. Now, take a moment to consider the ways in which these threats might distract you from everyday moments at home, work, or school.
0: Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook Don't Let Your Anxiety Run Your Life using the science of emotion, regulation, and mindfulness to overcome fear and worry. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate it and review it. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.
1: Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks, available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.